Hello everyone and welcome back to Triggered Reds. This week we are joined by John Welsh, former Liverpool, Hull, Tramia and Preston midfielder. John gives us some fascinating insights on what it was like training under Gerard Houllier and Rafael Benitez. He also lifts the lid on what it was like training with players like McAllister, Gerard, and Alonso almost on a daily basis. We start this week's episode by discussing the promotion of one of John's former clubs in Hull City. So this episode runs for about an hour. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. Tune in. Yeah. Did you see um, one of your old clubs has got promoted as well today, haven't they? Back to the championship, Hull won the back up, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great club, Hull. Um, I think they've got everything in place to, to, to be successful. Like, so um, it makes no, um, it doesn't surprise me at all that that, that the, the the way they are now. I think the the training ground to to the ground is. Um, is is built for that? Uh, yeah. Very passionate fans around there. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a big uh, rugby town, but uh, they love the football down there and the passionate about the sport. Um, so I'm sure um, the crowds will be will be coming back once we're allowed, and uh, yeah. they'll be right behind the team, which is good to see. They're a one city, uh, a one club city, aren't they? As well, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's always the the focus is on them, if not the rugby yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, was it Luke Campbell that was from Hull as well, a boxer? Yeah, yeah. the boxer's been a few. Um, Tommy Coyle. Tommy Coyle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big sporting town. Uh, obviously, the, the rugby's massive there. They've got uh, Hull, Hull City and Hull KR, yeah. which is a big rivalry in, in, in the rugby world. Um, obviously, the football with, with Hull. Um, but I mean, it's pretty similar to to, to Liverpool as in sporting wise. They, they love the sport and anything they can get behind. I'm sure they've got a hockey team as well. If yeah. my memory serves yeah. me right, so um, yeah, they just just love love sports. Never know, Steve. Uh, you might get a game for the for Hull hockey there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other. I was made up for them, and um, one of mm. Steve's cousins plays for them at the minute. Like, so it was yeah. always got an eye on them. To be honest, just through, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Well, I, I do it myself. I, I always keep an eye on, on former clubs, and I enjoy being there. And was was quite successful there. Got most of the Premiership, even though I, I didn't play much. Yeah. Uh, broke my leg when I was there, so um, I've still got lots was of yours just, there. Was yours just before the Phil Brown era then, or was it around when Phil Brown was there? Or yeah, when he was there, I think he took over when we were oh, in the yeah. championship. Um, and the season I broke my leg, um, I think we was promoted that season, or it might have been that the back end of that season, and then going into the next season was when we got promoted to the Premier League. Um, but it was it was a great uh, great time to be at the club. I think that when I signed for Hull, it was like a back to back promotion. So they'd been from um, I think it was the Conference League, uh, sorry League Two, uh, League One, and then promotion to the Championship. Uh, and then I signed yeah. at the Championship. So um, it was a a great time to be at the club. Yeah, it was made up to so see you, back you, today, like yeah, yeah, you, brilliant, great to see. You joined them in, um, was it 2005 after we'd won the Champions League? Um, yeah, yeah. 
because it, it was Peter Taylor who signed me, who was the manager there. He was the um, England and England 21 and manager. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, obviously I'd worked with him at 21, so he, he knew a bit about me. And um, I think we had a, a two-long tournament in France. Um, and I, I spoke to him while we were there and he said, would you be interested in coming on loan? Uh, and I wanted to, just wanted to go and play games. I hadn't um, played for a while, I don't think, for Liverpool's first team. Uh, obviously, I, I'd always wanted to play for them. And um, it was getting to that point where it was, I was, I spoke to, to Rafa and he was sort of saying, you might only get one or two games next season. Um, so I think it was important for me, career-wise, to go and play some football and have a, a full season somewhere. And yeah. lucky enough, uh, that was Hull and, went on to, to, to next season to play 30-odd games for them. So it was I was still learning. I was still young as a, as a footballer. Um, so going there and getting games was, was the right move for my career in the end. Well, that was one of the thought things we were going to talk about was I think, um, you know, that, that lines up with it quite nicely. I think, you, did you join mm-hmm. Liverpool when you was 10? Is that right? No, I, um, I was actually eight. Eight, yeah. Um, yeah, I was... had us off against Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I think, because what, what it was at the time, it, they were only doing um, under 11s um, and I, I come in as an eight year old um, I think I was even younger I might have been um, seven still but like nearly nearly eight if you like Yeah. and I went in it was obviously a centre of excellence there it was down to me in Sangster um, used to play down and everything was run out of that yeah yeah well, that's, that's where I first started training when I was, I was at Liverpool and yeah. um, it was sort of like frowned upon because I was so young well in that 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 time, I was I was classed as young for, for the academy or centre of excellence for what it was. Um, and later on in me in my career, when I was older, I was I found out that um, th- there was a lot of meetings going on about me, and uh, some of the staff there didn't want me there because I was so young, um, and some were fighting to keep me there basically just to um, to say he's he's a good player and yeah. whatever it was they wanted to keep me. Um, and then in the end, it was a. Uh, it was. I think it was actually Steve Iway who, who didn't want me there, not because of talent wise. He just felt it was it was too young for for lads to be there. Um, and uh, the scouts who scouted me, Arthur Edwards, he fought, he fought uh, with the coaching staff to keep me there. Obviously, decided to keep me there, uh, but I had to train with the under. I think it was the under elevens at the time. Um, so that's probably why it, it says that I joined when I was ten, but. Just because really, of I was I was eight, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's a there, that's but... a really young time to join, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, you know. Nowadays, you hear about it all the time. Like, yeah. One of my cousins was like getting scouts when he was like five for like Man City, yeah. and you think like, what? What yeah. can you see at five? You know, but yeah, yeah. These lads have have got a keen eye, but um. So you when you mm. you joined and you were you know obviously you were eight, you stayed with the club yeah. right, right through. And yeah. Obviously, you went to Hull, like you've just said. Yeah. What what was it like, you know, being a, a local lad and breaking into the team? And then as you're progressing through the mm. age, like, you know, you're working with Steve Highway, you're yeah. working with, you know, I'm assuming Gerard Houllier's team, Rafa's yeah. team. Yeah. And then yeah. ultimately, you know, you end up being one of the few Scouts local players yeah. to play in a Champions League winning campaign. Like, that's yeah. some going that, isn't it, from the Vernon Sanchez yeah. to, to playing in you know, the <laughs> last season. Um, and I remember the Vernon yeah. the, the facilities were yeah. but you know, it, it was boss. But yeah, what, what was it, you know, what was it like being around the first team? Were you know, were there any egos? Mm. You know, what yeah. like was it was it sick? 
well, um, going going back from, from like the, say the eight to going through the academy system and all that. Um, I I I just love. I had two loves in in, in life. One was Liverpool, uh, and one was football. Uh, that was everything I wanted to do from from when I could remember. Uh, everything I done and every second I could, I had the football in my hand, kicking against the wall, playing with mates. Um, every every opportunity I could, I had the football uh, in the house, kicking the ball against the wall. My mum would kick off and tell me to get outside and go and play. So I'd go outside and, and knock for my mates. Just everything was based around football. Uh, then the opportunity obviously come to, to, to go and play uh, for the Centre of Excellence or School of Excellence, I think it was. Um, and, and I loved it. Um, playing football for a club that I loved, um, I, I couldn't think of, of anything better to, to do, really. Uh, obviously, you start progressing then, and, and the older you get, it starts getting more serious. Um, and I, I still had that love. I've still got it now, the love of football, and obviously for, for, for the football club that I supported since I can remember. Um, so, going into be the academies then so we were up at Kirby uh, doing well playing in the I think I was 17 playing in the under 18s at the time um, and just just loving it playing games putting on that Liverpool shirt um, it was everything to me I mean that could have been first team and I loved it I just loved being there and being around yeah. the place I had a great great sort of upbringing in football and wise um, I think Liverpool not only made me a better footballer but made me a better person uh, and I think that's what they, they try and implicate now when you see the, the lads coming through who speak really well um, the likes of, of Trent and, and them kinds of people that they do an interview and, and they come across really well and yeah. I think it's all credit to the academy system uh, the people that are there are really good they try and improve you in, in all aspects of life not only in football uh, so it was a great football upbringing not, well not only football but uh, an upbringing as a young kid coming through the ranks. Um, I can remember that the first day at Melwood being really nervous walking into a, a dressing room with the likes of Michael Owen, Steve Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, um, a vast array of, of, of them talented players and that they're, they're just the, the sort of local lads. Yeah, uh, You start seeing Gary, Gary McAllister, um, Javi Alonso, these type of players that... that Uh, as, a, as a Liverpool fan I was really um, in awe of, of some of these players um, and then it just begins of, of trying to to improve first and foremost and then you start looking to try and get into the first team um, I loved being there and, and again it was, a, it was a great upbringing from sort of 17 to 20 or 21 that I left um, the, the the lessons that I was taught in them years from them world-class players uh, is, is stuff that stuck with me f- even till now. Have you got an example? Like, is that in terms of footballing lessons? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, looking back, I, I was really young when I first went, um, but I was quite um, old in the sort of way I wanted to go about things. Mm. I, I sort of, the way I, I trained was, I, I'd go in and obviously train and try and improve but I'd be watching players like um, who was the best tackler, who was the best passer, who was, who worked the hardest, who had the best diet. And I would try and sort of imply them in what I was doing. I'd go and watch Steve Gerrard passing. I'd go and watch Javi Alonso passing. I'd try and sort of imitate what they were doing and movements they were doing. Mm. Um, I'd go and watch uh, Stefan Henchos, who was the best one-for-one defender that I've played with. 
uh, and I'd see what he was doing and, and see how he adapted himself and the way he, he worked and moved, uh, the timing of his tackles and stuff like that. I, I sort of wanted to learn. Um, Gary McAllister, who was, yeah. uh, even though he came when he was quite old, um, yeah. his, his speed of thought was unreal, unbelievable. Yeah, I think, uh, in, in, sorry, on McAllister in Gerard's yeah. book, he that like Julia signed him yeah. as a 35 year old, but yeah, the nouse, you know, the old oh, head yeah. coming in at yeah. that age. And, um, yeah, yeah, even Gerard says he, he learned yeah. from, from McAllister, yeah, 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 well, that, yeah, just um, his speed of thought was just off the, off the charts, yeah. We, I, I remember it sticks in my head, we done a, a possession which is. It was really narrow but really long. So obviously you can there's a lot of bodies in the middle and no one could get the ball off him. Yeah. He was just two two or three yards ahead of everyone. And you're talking world class footballers in the middle at the peak, some of them. And um, no one could get the ball off him. He was just he must have done about six one twos in, in one sort of play, oh, yeah. pattern of play that, and, and that free really, kick against Everton. I mean yeah that, that on its own, he's a legend, isn't he? And yeah. I think for like for fans like you know man and Steve's age, like I've I've just yeah. turned thirty, Steve's yeah. thirty soon enough. Um, so we'll be <laughs> but I didn't really remember Gary McAllister as a player before he was at Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. At Liverpool. I remember he scored in the in the year we won the treble. He scored a penalty past Pepe Reina, didn't he? Um, yeah. In goal for Barcelona when we knocked them yeah. out. I think Jose Enrique. Had a blinder and Mc, uh, Gary Mach was just was all over him. But yeah. players that you know you've described there, you you were a midfielder yourself, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. How did you break into that midfield? You know, Diddy Hamans there, Danny Murphy's mm-hmm. there, Vladdy Smyce's there. Yeah. And speaking of um, bringing in shrewd players that you know people might think are a bit over the hill, I remember watching yeah. Yari Littman in and being like, "Oh my god, like how good yeah. is the, is this player?" I think what, what a footballer he was, by the way. He, yeah, yeah he finished third on the Ballon d'Or this one year, didn't he? Steve? Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Ajax, I think he he was at yeah. He, in, I don't know, ninety five yeah. it might have been, but yeah, I mean, he, they've had some uh, quality like world class players, and it it must have been. Yeah. I mean, something you'll you'll it'll it'll stick with you for for the rest of your life. You know that education yeah. period you just said. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and, and then, then players like McAllister as well, like. Perlo or whatever, Alonso, yeah. the dictators. It's like yeah. sometimes the most well, is the most influential uh, position on the ball in some aspects, yeah. but they make it look so easy as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. an artist with his yeah, paint, it's crazy. Yeah, how easy yeah. But, but that that that's where that obviously the, the football and education come from for me because I I couldn't understand how uh, Mar Haman say was so influential influential in midfield when physically he wasn't really big or strong he he, mm. he didn't probably run around as much as as, as most players did and um, but he just always seemed to be after his feet and sort of dictated play or dictated the tempo he always seemed to be an option and he always seemed to be in space so I, i'd go and watch what he was doing uh during possession or stuff like that and just see what sort of the answers were to, to them questions and they were the questions yeah. that i was asking about all different kinds of things you know yeah. I asked uh, Steve Gerrard uh, a couple of questions, but uh, well, I tried to, to watch the fact to ask, answer my own questions, and I couldn't. He just he just uh, he was on another level at, at the time. Um, but they were the mm-hmm. type of conversation. Yeah, they were the type of conversations I was having with myself. Why is he so good at that? Why is he really good at that? Why does he do that? And 
obviously that's where my education come from. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, um, how do you break into that team, into that midfield? Um, I didn't. <laughs> I think that's the, the quick answer. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm quite proud of, of, of the times I played and the amount of games that I played, but it was really tough. I mean, you name the, the, the three of just that have been mentioned already, uh, Steve Gerrard, um, Alonso, Deep Mahaman, um, put them together with another four or five, Gary Mach, mm. uh, them types of names. I think uh, world class footballers at the peak would struggle to, to break into that that team. So never mind a, a kid from Waverley who's just come through the ranks. So it, it was always tough, and I always knew that. But um, I, I'm quite proud of the, the amount of games that I played. Well, you've done, um, you know, being a local lad playing. You know, you played against Bayer Leverkusen away in the Champions League yeah. winning campaign, didn't you? And then you, yeah. you you wasn't in the squad, was you, for the final? Is that right? Or no. Yeah, I, I was in the the the, the we had we, we always had like a, a big squad, yeah. And then we'd have like a match day, so so there'd be like a squad of, I think the Champions League would have been twenty four. Yeah. So you go and you, you train and you're a part of um, the build up if you like yeah. within the squad, and then obviously day of the game, it's a there's a match day squad which would be like eighteen, maybe nineteen. Um, I wasn't in, I wasn't part of the, of the match day squad, but was in the the squad for the lead up or the build up, the match preparation and stuff like that. Leading up to that, did uh, did Rafa kind of tell the lads that weren't going to be in the match day squad that they weren't in, or was it a case like you kind of already knew in training sort of thing, or was, you know was it you know made formal? Um, yeah, I think everything Rafa done, he, he was quite straight about it. Um, we were sort of hoping because we we'd been, I think there was a couple of us, the likes of me, Neil Meller, Darren Potter, Dave Raven, uh, Stephen Warnock, who had all been. Um, around the squad or on the bench. I think at the time there must have been a, a bit of an injury crisis because um, a lot of the young lads seem to be on the, on the bench for, for these big, massive games. Yeah, And um, we were sort of hoping that he might keep the trend and go with that. But I think that uh, a couple of the lads had come back from um, from injury. Yeah, I think Yosemi had come back, uh, Biscan had come back. So these lads were, were obviously making the, the, the way back into the squad. So we were sort of hoping he'd go with the trend of keeping us on the on the bench. Uh, obviously didn't, um, but we sort of half knew that was going to happen. But we're just praying that we could we could get make it on the bench. Yeah, for, uh, for the Champions League final would have been some some achievement. Well, I, I remember like watching the final, obviously, and I, I spoke to Steer half time, and we were both like you know young. We were both like proper upset and all the rest of it. Steve was a dithering mess. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> I always remember after the game, and for years, right? It's so random that we've managed to, to get you on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. But after the game, there was a picture of this lad in a Liverpool kit, and he was going mad yeah. with all the fans. Yeah, and me mates were like, Steve being one of them, were going, Who's yeah. this, like nutter who's ran on the pitch? Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> John Welsh, he's Welsh. <laughs> Yeah. And he's with all the lads celebrating. And for about yeah. ten years, I I thought it was you. Yeah. And then <laughs> it was just it, it was it was a lad who got on. Yeah, funny <laughs> around the pitch. I yeah. even had, even had me looking at the picture, and I was like, "Is is is, is it well she? I can't yeah. tell." <laughs> I, was I was probably, probably, probably going go, go mad on the pitch because yeah. it was. Just, I mean, there's a great story behind it. Obviously, we were um, we were in the the like the, the crowd source thing. So obviously. Liverpool have won and we're, we're getting ready to lift the trophy and stuff like that so there's like I think there's a there must have been about eight maybe nine players who were in the squad who were in the stands 
And uh, we were like, we've got to get on the pitch. We've got to get on the pitch. So we go make our way down to the pitch side. But it's basically, we're, we're actually in the crowd. So we're trying to get through everyone. And uh, obviously the, the stadium staff and the stewards like, no, no, no one's getting on, no one's getting on. So uh, Fernando Morientes was was in the squad sitting by us. And he just walked to the front, you know, spoke to the, the <laughs> steward. And he just, he just yeah, yeah. So the steward obviously knew, knew who he was, yeah. allowed him to go on. And I mean, Morian says could have just got on the pitch and just left all. It was basically all the young lads. Yeah, um, yeah. But just as he was about to, to climb over the billboards, he turned round and was speaking to the, the steward, and was pointing out which one we were. So we pointed out all the young lads and t- was waving us on. So nice. we all the steward allowed us to come on then. So uh, if it wasn't Fernando, wasn't for Fernando Morian we wouldn't have got on the pitch. But. Um, I mean, I'd never forget that because, as I said, he, he could have just got on and, and I'd celebrated with, with the rest of the lads. But yeah, he, um, he had That's sort of the, the down to earthness to, to turn around and, and point all the young lads out and say which ones we were to let us on. And uh, that's how we got on the pitch. So um, I'd never forget that for, for forever, really. Yeah. That's definitely uh, Morientes' greatest contribution in a Liverpool shirt, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was some well, he, player he like Fernie, but... Yeah, another one. He brought Raul to the, to, um, to Melwood one day. So we had uh, we met we met Raul and that. I mean, he's, he's a legend in football yeah. as well. Yeah. So that was an uh, Imagine the press with so. Raul at Anfield. He would have thought he was about to sign, wouldn't he? Yeah, time. I know. But I, I think, I mean, it was probably that hush-hush. I don't think anyone's probably ever knew. Because, I mean, we didn't know... Well, we we've been training, and obviously, when you finish training, you go up to the the, the kitchen area to, to get your food and stuff. And we just walked in. He was there, and we going, "What's going on? Is he signing?" Or you know, we were like, talking between, amongst us. Are we signing them or what? And then obviously, yeah, Fernando come in, and, and, and they were embracing, and then all the lads come up, and obviously the Spanish lads were talking to him, and we were like, "Should we go over and get a picture with him?" <laughs> we can't go over because we, we were like, Liverpool players. Like we can't go over. We can go over and, and like introduce and say yeah, how do you do and all that. But uh, I don't think anyone ever got any, any pictures with him, which was a shame. Yeah. So after um, you'd you'd left then and gone to Hull, obviously, and then after that it was Tramia. Yeah. You, you you come yeah. back. You was it? Yeah. Was, how long were you there? Was that four years? Was it? Or yeah, I spent a, a couple of years there. Obviously, I had um, I had a bad injury at Hull. It broke my leg. Uh, I think I was out for about two seasons I think I was out for about 13 months and then there was a couple of long spells that didn't go too well um, trying to get back fit and, and mm. obviously uh, Hull weren't renewing my contract so I thought the best thing to do was to come home uh, obviously I'd li- lived at Hull for a couple of years um, Chami were interested but he wanted to see me fitness because obviously I'd been injured so went there pre-season done about 10 days um, and it was John Barnes who was the manager with uh, Jason Machatier as his assistant uh, and after 10 days they, they knew I was fit uh, and ends up signing a, a deal there Would they League 1 were they at the time or um, I can't remember if were, were they Yeah they, they were they were League 1 yeah League yeah, 1 at yeah. the time um, but yeah I mean I, I loved my time at Tramia it was um, there was ups and downs and um, I think probably I got well, the greatest achievement we had there was, was staying up on the last day, um, mm. which doesn't sound much of an achievement, but um, the relief and the uh, the jubilation after it was was unbelievable. Yeah, um, especially in them, Lee, you know, 46 mm. game campaigns as well. It, yeah, yeah. Because that's another thing I was going to ask you, because you play Tramia, mm. play for Tramia and Preston, and I'm wondering, 
what's yeah. that like on the body? You know, the schedule of a 46 game year is how, how do you manage yeah. that in terms of physical fit? It, it, yeah, it's tough. It, it is um it is tough. I mean, two games a week is, is takes a lot on your body. I mean probably more often than not, when you, you get into your late 30s so or 32 onwards. You're probably going to struggle to do that unless you, you you're really fit. Um, but you've got to be at your peak. I think they call it now a 24 hour footballer. And I think the term they mean by that is you've got to eat eat well, sleep well, rest well, recover well. Everything's got to be spot on. Um, and obviously, the, the higher up you are, it'll be more catered for you. But I think the the more you come down in the league, so i.e. League One, League Two, you've got to basically do it yourself. Um, so it depends how, how strict you want to be. Uh, some players are strict, some players are not. Um, but when you're playing that many games a season, you'd be stupid not to. Um, obviously, I think every footballer will probably sit here and say you want to play as high as they can. Um, and if you if you wasn't a strict footballer or a 24 hour footballer like I've just mentioned, um, you wouldn't last long in in any of the, the top two leagues. Yeah, bloody hell. Because I, I was playing today, like I haven't played for a while, and just the first 10 minutes just took it off. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. like, um, we had a friendly, like our old teams, um, two of them got together for a reunion, and 10 minutes in, I'd hit the wall. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So. It's up because even, even some, um, I think bank holidays, you play like Saturday and then you're playing again Monday. Mm. So you'd have like sort of one rest day. And you're back playing, and I remember we played when I was at Preston. I think we had a home game. I can't remember who it was against. And then the Monday we had crew, and I thought I'm not going to play it because we had, we had quite a few midfielders. Um, and I thought I'm not going to play the Monday. And obviously the team come out, and I was playing, and I thought I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Um, sort of had them doubts in me, but obviously got through the game. We, we ended up winning one nil, and actually I played quite well. Um, so to get. 90 minutes on Saturday and then 90 minutes on Monday it's really tough on the body but I think from being a footballer and, and working under the certain managers um, I, I realised how much the body can cope with um, yeah. especially in, in them sort of in that environment as I said being a sort of professional footballer there's a lot of recovery and a lot of stuff I've done for you um, but as I said it's a uh, some days, the older you get, the um, the armies when you wake up in the morning, the back goes and stuff like that. So um, it's a uh, best of both worlds. You know, just I'll on on Preston have it tomorrow. So you've got it now, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Just on Preston, um, yeah. Ben Davies is who signed from Preston. Do, do you know yeah. of him? You know what? What do you make of that signing? And mm. you know, he he was admitted from the squad again today, and he is fit. So mm. it's you know. What's yeah. the situation with that one? Have you got any an inside knowledge you can give us an exclusive on or what? <laughs> um, no, I, I played with Ben for, for quite a few years at Preston. Um, when it, when he first obviously he come through the ranks at Preston, and when he when he reached the first team, he was a, a slender lad, quite um, quite sort of within himself, wasn't as confident, um, and he went out on loan. Uh, he was told. That he he played he played two games at left back, um, and this, his last game I think he gave away a pen and, and possibly struggle. He, he did struggle. Uh, obviously got sent out on loan, and uh, was told to, to sort of 
get stronger basically. Um, and when he come back, he was a he was a man mountain. Um, he he'd gone taller and wider, uh, and he was like a, a bit of a Rolls Royce sort of yeah. uh, build. And um, he he just seemed to get better and better from that season on. He was um, he, he's quick. He's good on the ball. He's brave. Um, so, I mean, I, I haven't played with him now for three years, I think, maybe four. Um, and whenever I seen him on, on the on the games, he, he was one of the best players, one of the best defenders. I think he'd either still be in a Preston now, either being captain somewhere along the line. Um, so, I mean, it was it was no no shock to me that he, he was going to make the move to the Premier League. It was a massive shock, obviously, when he he took the big leap that he has. I thought it might have been sort of a a middle to lower maybe Premier League team would have took a gamble on him because uh, I think I, that I think last season he was probably one of the best defenders in the Championship mm. uh, or definitely in, in the conversation for it so I mean Premier League football seemed the next step for him uh, but I, I don't think I would have seen him going to, to the league champions if I'm honest but, uh, Celtic wasn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. I, I think Celtic were, were pretty close on, on yeah. signing him um, and then obviously speaking to Ben once he had Liverpool was interested um, it was sort of all guns going for them really uh, which is understandable um, but yeah I mean it, 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 it's a strange one I mean I, I think he, he's geared to be a, a defender for Liverpool now you've got to be quick which he is you've got to be good on the ball which he is uh, he reads the game well so I think he has got attributes that would suit Liverpool um, obviously it hasn't worked out as as much as he probably would have wanted at the t- at this present time, but I think when you you look back at, at the sort of Klopp signings, I, I don't think the the well, some of them do, but I think the majority of them don't instantly make a, a big impact in, in coming into the yeah. team. I think when you look at Andy Robinson, I think it took about eight months for him to break into the team. Yeah, um, and Fabinho as well was quite a yeah. Fabinho struggled struggled a bit, yeah, yeah. So I think um, maybe it's just a sort of way clock works I know his, his training regime is pretty gruesome um, I've heard rumours of, of obviously the, the, the demand he, put, he puts on players and so I, I I wouldn't be too concerned if I was Ben I mean it's easy for me sitting here but if he's in the uh, in the the squad or he hasn't been in the squad it's probably tough for him because he's used to playing week in week out but um, I mean I, I wouldn't be too concerned I have no doubt that he's getting better as a footballer day by day. Um, he'll be listening to what's being said to him and, and the advice that's being given given to him, and he will improve. Um, but it, it's, I think for him, it's going to be tough now because obviously you've got the likes of Van Dijk coming back and Gomez coming back. Canate apparently um, is Yeah, yeah. So um, as well. Um, sorry, just when it, it was an awkward time in the fixture list. Uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't the best time for him to join. Sort of like mm. an emergency. Sometimes in an emergency loan situation. So it, it was a bit. We were relying on that Reese Williams, weren't we? And then yeah. the Champions League games, and I think yeah. a few lunch games in the Premier League. So the fixture, yeah. it's never easy in the Prem, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon we might see him possibly when um, you know. Say, say we don't get top four or we do and there's like two games mm. left. surely then you'd like to think you'd get a run out just to see what he can yeah. do without the pressure of yeah. having actually win points mm. but, yeah I think so but yeah. it, it's the same again I mean 
he, he could give him till the end of the season to see how he, how he does and train. Obviously, he's watching him day in, day out, so he'll have his, his sort of opinions and, and decisions that he'll make. Um, but pre-season, I mean, it, it, Van Dijk and Gomez are coming back from pretty serious injuries. Um, so they're going to be going right through the summer. As I said, I've, I've heard rumours that, that Klopp's pretty gruesome with, with his, um, mm. his, his workload, if you like. So um, if he comes back pre-season, fit and ready and, and does well, I'm sure that, that there will be the conversation of, of, of him getting games. Um, Klopp, been... He's big on it. Um, sorry to interrupt you there. Klopp's big oh, on it. He's on a, he loves a full pre-season, doesn't he? And mm. he's always hear him talking about full pre-season games all the time. Yeah. As yeah. you said yourself, it, it's not just about the, the get minutes on the pitch, it's the minutes off the pitch and learning yeah. the club and getting your education. And, you know, yeah. when, when Virgil van Dijk's fit, I'm sure he's picking Virgil's yeah. brains now just about yeah. how he can improve his game and everything else. And yeah. with the yeah. injuries, you know, to Matip and, and you know, Phillips yeah. has had a couple of knocks as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. In a good position, but um, yeah, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd throw that one in there yeah. because you've got to be in a yeah. position than anybody else to, to answer it. But yeah. And looking at the, the midfield, which we discussed before, and, and me and Steve are constantly saying now, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but in terms of football quality, especially yeah. in Britain, I feel like it, the quality's gone backwards. Like, when yeah. you were trying to break into that midfield, look at yeah. the competition you had to, to break into, but if yeah. you're coming into the midfield now, you know, you, you might have a, f- a far better chance and. What do you think of the way players play now in midfield? Because it's all about he's a ten or he's a six or he's an eight. Yeah. If you look at the midfield mm. back in back in when you were at the club, you'd yeah. have players like Gerard, Vieira, Scholes. They, they did absolutely yeah. everything, didn't they? And now, yeah, like the yeah. so much about tactics, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that now. Yeah, I'd completely agree. I think. Um... Probably back then, you probably didn't have the money that's being spent now. So they probably only needed two or three midfielders, maybe for, for to, to play and to play all of the time. Um, I think when you look at the, the probably the, the more successful teams at, at that time, um, I can only really uh, remember uh, Petit Vieira, uh, maybe Parler. Um, there's not not many names that jump out at me, and then obviously going on to the United team, Roy Keane, Nicky Butts, Paul Scholes, and um, that, that, that were the mainstay where they were, they were going to be playing week in week out. Whereas I think now that you've got like six or seven midfielders that could could play at any time, um, and as you said before, th- them type of midfielders that I've just mentioned could do everything. They could run, yeah. they could tackle, uh, they could pass, they could score. I think um, we get sort of all clouded up with the sort of he can't play with him because he hasn't got the attributes to play with him. Oh, Instead yeah. of no. putting it like like he's a midfielder, he can run with the ball. So we'll put someone in who's more defensive, and it, you know, constantly trying to balance it. But if you if you put like Vieira and Petit together, put them in, in the same team, you'd win a lot of games just with through yeah. them two alone because what 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 they could do. Yeah. Um, so I think, as you said, the, the tactical thing is like. Um, well, he's a he's a ball carrier, so we'll we'll oppose him with someone who can do something that he can't. And I think we get a bit um, jiggled up in, in sort of tactical madness, if you like. Instead of just playing, he's playing this week, and he'll keep in the in the team until we get beat, or like it used to be. Yeah, it was always an um, you're playing for your shirt, aren't you? Every week, yeah, now it's like yeah. you know, 
you watch Monday Night Football, apart from last week where it was just like a scene from a film. <laughs> when you're watching it, it's like um, you need like a letter from Stephen Hawking to figure out. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love yeah. tactical analysis as much as the next yeah. guy, but I think sometimes you try and make football into a game that, that it's not. It's football. Yeah. yeah. Your best 11 yeah. men are going to win the game, aren't they? And yeah. Me and Steve were commenting a few weeks ago on um, English centre-backs as well, because mm. if you go back to when you were playing for Liverpool, look at the centre-backs that were in England. Like yeah. Yeah. And if you look yeah. at them now... I mean, John Stones and Harry Maguire, they've clearly got ability, but they've also mm. got massive mistakes. And, you know, you look at yeah. the match we used to have. I do yeah. think the quality has dipped a little bit. I don't know what, what, what yeah. it is, really, but I, de- I definitely think that it has. We were touching on it, like me and Dave, like just thinking of you know theories, why it has. And it mm-hmm. does seem the last 15 years, I'd say, it's all off the ball, tactically orientated, more mm-hmm. specifically condensing space in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like the consequence mm. to that, there's there's not as many technical players as there once was. So, like, yeah. you know, our team now, Liverpool's, it's mm. all about energy. And, you know, yeah. like the players you played with at Liverpool, you know, that, that yeah. rivals Milan with Seydorf, Perlo and all mm. that. And yeah. across Europe over the last 15 years, there's just a lot of emphasis on space reduction in the game. And yeah. like yeah. clock as well, you know, a pioneer yeah. of it, counter pressing yeah. Yeah. I just find it's, it's it has had a consequence from a family like, yeah. um, where now we are seeing less technical, technically mm. gifted players. It just seems yeah. that way to me. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how how you think about that. If, if it's... yeah, I'd I'd agree. I mean, it's I, I believe football going to trends. I think um, obviously you look at the Barcelona um, sort of area if you like where they they were the best team on the planet, and it was all about. Passing, pass, 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 pass until you find the gap, and or the, the other team make a mistake positionally, and then you punish them. Um, I think now it's going into sort of the, the counter pressing, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, high energy teams who keep a high line, as you said, condense, condense space, uh, win the ball, high up the pitcher, and score. I think we've probably seen another change now. I think sort of City now are trying to bring sort of the old Barcelona way back. Uh, but are trying to mix a sort of high press with it, um, keep it high up the pitch, and uh, win win high up there. So I think the um, there seems to be like a, a lot of trends and a lot of um, it's a lot of, of team sort of based tactics. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think back in the day, obviously a lot of more technical ability players. Now it's sort of this is my eleven, and this is how we we want to play. We're going to win high up the pitch. We want energy in the middle. Um, I think centre halves get strung out a little bit at the minute because um, fullbacks are, are wingers. Yeah, fullbacks are wingers, um, and I think from me watching Liverpool, I think if you look sort of at the, it, it, it becomes a back two in a way. It's it's some it's two for two sometimes. I yeah, think yeah. to play for Liverpool now, you, you've got to be good man for man marker in um, sort of dangerous areas if you like. Because uh, you will get left one v one at the back at times, the way Liverpool want to play. Um, so yeah, I think um, centre halves get le- left out to dry a little bit. But um, as I said, that that's the way the team want to play. Klopp wants his team to play with that. I think probably when you look, watch the other teams. I'm sure that's uh, the same with them. No, yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just yeah. going to ask Seems that the, 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 the thing now, doesn't it? 
Sorry, what was that, John? It, it just seems the end thing now of, of what teams want to do. They want to push the full-backs high up the pitch. Um, sort of play a front three or front four of, of really narrow forwards and, and sort of create overloads in the wide areas for, for full-backs. And it leaves you short at the back. But uh, I guess if you're looking at like Man City and teams like that, um, it's not often they give the ball away it's uh, risky so. reward, isn't it? And, um, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. were the same earlier in the season with the high line. And the worst that the worst that could ever be was that Villa game, the 7 2. You know, yeah. that was the epitome of the, the risk of your reward of a high line. And we got, we got yeah. it like so. Yeah. That was yeah. When, it, when it works, when it works, yeah. it's, it's like it's really good and stuff like that. Yeah. But obviously, it's, yeah, like you say, it's the trends and things like that. And what? Yeah. Yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah. Do you know with um with, with tactics and obviously you've come through under who who was the first team managers while you were coming through? Did you do Evans, Julia, and Rafa? Or was no, it, it was just uh, Julia and Benitez. Yeah, was one there. Yeah. What, what was the um? Would, did they have any similarities? Because you're there a lot. Obviously, God rest them. Julia's recently passed in. You know, there's been people eulogising about him, you know, Gerard and, and Carragher obviously come mm. through similar ages yourself. Yeah. They've been saying, you know, what a great man-to-man manager he was. And obviously, yeah. that's always seen, seen as being more cold and more pragmatic. But yeah. your experience, did, did you have any similarities or were they totally different in their approach? Uh, I think they were, they, were, they were pretty different, um, but equally uh, successful. I think football is a weird sport. Um you get different types of, of personalities or managers that, that you'll come across. I mean, Gerard Hulier was a, was a great man manager. Um, he, he was sort of keep your players happy and they'll win games for you sort of manager, I thought. Uh, he, was all, he would always speak to you. He would always ask how you were doing. Um, just a great man to be around. Yeah. Um, Rafa was slightly different. He was... I wouldn't say so much cold, but he was uh, quite. Um, I don't know what the word would be. Quite. Uh, was he stand more standoffish? Yeah, he, he he'd be more direct. Mm. Gerard would come and asking how you was and what you think you should be doing and, and stuff like that. Whereas Rafa would tell you what you should be doing um, and instruct you what he what he expected of you. And yeah. as I said. Both managers are not wrong. Uh, that's just the different ways that they, they managed. Uh, they're both equally successful. Um, but Rafa Benitez was his tactical knowledge and tactical detail was off the charts. Um, I'm actually pretty angry with myself when I look back at my time there that I didn't take more in from him. But being a young player, you don't um, you don't envision yourself getting older really. So mm. I, I wish I'd have been probably a bit more older in me thinking at the time of playing on under Rafa Benitez to, just to take in his um, his tactical detail that he put on uh, the, the meetings that we were in I can remember bits of it but um, I, I wish I'd have been a bit older now just to uh, just to remember some of the things that was being said because um, his detail I mean from movements patterns of movements that players would, would do I remember them doing a, a, a tactical knowledge I'm, I'm sure it was Gareth Bale at the time, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, and he knew everything about him. He knew his, his movements, his patterns, his, 
certain body shapes that he used would take him in a direction. Um, just everything, everything from the smallest details. He'd always pick up on the their strongest player and would, would go through the positions he picked up. Um, what sort of what was his favourite pass if you like so if he got the ball and his first pass was to a forward they'd say in this position this is what he's going to do he's going to get it and pass there and run there more often than not and he'd have like clips so you'd actually see it for yourself um, his tactical knowledge was brilliant and trying to, to do things to counteract what they, they would wanted to do and it was just brilliant I remember really being um, in awe of it I, I, I should say, and as I said, I wish I'd have been a bit more older at the time, uh, thought-wise, to, to take more of it in, rather than just sitting in the meeting and, and watching a player movement, not really thinking about it and going into depth of, of why why he was showing us it. Yeah, it's um, it's a brilliant insight, darling. It's things like that mm. that you know, as like you know, the everyday fan, you don't realise, but. Yeah. Does it surprise you now to see uh, Stevie J in management and and you know what he what he's done with Rangers? Did he have a mm-hmm. you know have an inkling of that at the club? Would you have said because I know he's brought in really experienced coaches under him, hasn't he? With Gary Mack and yeah. the rest of yeah. the staff, but I I didn't see him going into mm-hmm. management like that. Yeah, I I didn't to be honest. Um, obviously spending a bit of time with with Stevie at Liverpool, uh, I, he always demanded or commanded respect. Um, he was always someone that people looked up to and he was always a leader. So uh, them type of qualities, obviously, uh, are why he's been so, so successful in, in management. Um, if anything, I, I would have thought Carragher would have been the one who would have gone into yeah. management for his knowledge. And uh, he, He's a footballer man every day. He'd be talking about football or something to do with football. Uh, a great organiser, as you can hear probably when you're watching the game, you can hear him constantly talking. Uh, always had a point of view of what he wanted to say in meetings and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I think Stevie, even though he was quite opinionated, he was quite, um, quite sort of quiet with it. Um, I'd probably say, obviously, I think most people next to Carragher seem quite quiet. But um, yeah, he always seemed to be a sort of cool, calm, and collected person. Uh, but as, as I said, he, he always commanded respect. Um, he had an order about him around the place. Uh, his leadership qualities of obviously there to be seen. So um, it, I wouldn't have expected him to go right into to management straight away, but uh, he has, and he's been really successful with it. So it's it, it's no surprise really going off their attributes that that, that he, he's shown as a player. Yeah. You do get a feel for that, like with you say with his aura there, just in his yeah. interviews, like I've, I've, every. Yeah. Had, it just seems to be very calculated, but in a really yeah. intelligent way. Like his, yeah. every, and he's, he's never looked daft ever in an interview. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. like John said before, Steve. Sorry to come in over here, but he said it before about the players that the local lads that come through the academy. He said, you know, like Trent, Jones, Cara, Stevie, they're all so articulate and how they put across the points, mm-hmm. aren't they? And like yeah. you say with Gerard, that that aura is just there, and I mean, as much as yeah. we love him in Liverpool, I'd have the guess yeah. to say the the Rangers fans love him just as much. Now. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's like up there. It's part yeah, of him, isn't it? yeah, he'll be um, probably a bigger legend there than than he will be here. I'd probably say for the things probably, that he's, he's done. Probably fated to come yeah. to Liverpool as a manager now. You'd say, wouldn't you, at some point? But you know, you'd expect it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it, I think he probably. I think he has said himself, it's, it's a bit too early for him. Definitely, um, but uh, I mean, it, it was a bit of a, it was a risk going, going there. To, to, if I'm honest, as a 
as a footballing person, I, I felt it was um, second was never going to be good enough for them. Um, so I thought it was a bit of a risk, but I mean, he's um, he's excelled there and, and brought the club to, to where they expected to be and uh, done it really quickly. And I, I don't think many would have expected them to, to do it as quick as he's done it. I don't think. No, I, no, I definitely didn't like. And he's made some really like, shrewd signings with um, with the wing as well, Kent. Is Hadji yeah. as well? Does he play yeah. on the... I think he's like a 10, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. after 10. Um, Players like that, and then he, um, the player he's turned Tavernier into as well, like, yeah, um, you know, so pivotal mm. for them. Yeah. I suppose that's the sign of a good manager, isn't it? Not so much yeah. really, but he come in mm. and what they do with an exit yeah. for players as well. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the signings that he's brought in have made a, an instant impact as well, mm. um, which again is a sign of a good manager that the recruitment seems to be good. I think he, I, I would expect the type of character he is. He would have a big say on, on who comes in and and every, is, is is quite controlling of, of what goes on within the club. I, I'd imagine. Mm. Um, so I mean, he's he's took on a lot, and um, I mean that as I said, that the success he's had there as quick as he's had it um, tells you all you need to know about the type of manager that he is, which is a really good one. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. um, Steve was going to touch on something to do with coaching with, you, with yourself, I yeah. think. Are you, are you going into coaching, yeah. are you, John? Or was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm currently... Like, yeah, I'm, I'm currently working at um, the Robbie Fowler uh, Education Academy, um, which is obviously a, an academy for 16 to 18-year-olds where the lads come in. Uh, they do a, a course in, in sort of based around... Uh, Sports, so they'll be doing a, a sports and nutrition or a PT course. Um, so they'll be doing that. But on the other side, they'll be doing a, a footballing sort of education where they'll come in and train. Uh, we've got sort of, we've got sort of, um, I think the six teams there at the minute, like first team down to six. Um, the lads will train each morning. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, um, loving it at the minute, getting to, to coach sort of. 17, 18, 19 year old lads who were really good. Uh, the staff are all brilliant down there and, and they're really enjoying me coaching at the minute. Are you um, are you doing your badges, are you? Are you planning on yeah. taking a bit of fit a bit further? Yeah, well I've I've done me UA for B about about four months ago, five months ago. Uh, so got that done. Um I was gonna do me A straight away, but with me going into a sort of college environment, yeah, uh, I put put that on hold. Um, I'm going to try and do my me, me youth modules which is sort of your youth sort of players which is like six uh, youth players will be probably be, be like 10 to 16 so I'll do them um, and then I'm going to try and get into my teaching licence so I can do a bit of both whereas at the minute I can only obviously do the football inside uh, I want to so I can do the sort of education as well as the, the football so um, that seems to the more probable step for me to take next I think what was the um, the UEFA B like? Because I've I've dabbled in a little bit of coaching. I used to work for Everton for a bit, uh, despite being yeah. a massive red like that's where the track yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> the bills, doesn't yeah. it? But I, I only yeah. the, the level FA level one, which is a, a doddle. But I also mm. my mates had done the UEFA B. We're looking at yeah. the A, uh, and I, I thought mm. I think is the pro license still by invite only, or can anybody go for the pro license? Yeah, I, I think you've got to be a manager. Uh, or yeah. th- there is a certain criteria that you've got to be to to, to actually get on the the um, 
on the pro license. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the UEFA B. I, I done it through the pandemic, which was a bit of a shame. But lucky enough, I done all my practical work before that, uh, and I had to do my, my theory work through Zoom and stuff like that. So it was more based around um, uh, culture and philosophies and and how you want your your culture and philosophy to be, uh, how you want your culture within the dressing room. Um, so it was more based around that sort of area of football. Uh, we've done the done the coaching bit before that and obviously the theory work is based around that but it's really interesting when you get into it about philosophies and culture of football clubs and culture of, of uh, a squad of players and it's really interesting to, to, it's a great um, sort of discussion we, we used to have Oh it's brilliant and obviously working with, with Fowler as well like um, mm. another legend of the club isn't it so yeah. I think um, the, what one like the question we wanted to kind of end it on here with you today mm. like Again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're no the, like the first like footballer that you know we've uh, reached out to to come on. Essentially, we've mm. asked one of your old colleagues um, to come on. Steve's been talking to him, haven't you, Steve? What's it, it's it, Ian? Yeah, we've had some dialogue with Ian Hume. Like he seems like a nice. Okay. Yeah, he's sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 he's we'll, a... we'll message him in a bit then and say, well, she said you'll have to come <laughs> on now. So uh... yeah, I'll, I'll message him and uh, <laughs> try and get a, try and get it sorted. But he, he's he's a, he's a great great lad. Uh, he's had a great career. I mean, he's he's been kind of Canadian uh, international, um, being up and down the countries of Preston, uh, Leicester. Uh, had a great career over in India. He's massive in India, absolutely massive in India. He's got yeah. a lot of followers, hasn't he? As well. Yeah, well, that's from his, his, his time in India. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they they love the football out there, and I think when when he went there, that's when I started sort of watching their leagues. Uh, obviously, uh, Robbie Fowler's managed over yeah. there. So um, it's getting better and better, but they they are absolutely fanatical. They, they um he sent me a video, and you, you know you see the the coaches coming into Anfield, and there's a say two or three thousand outside the ground. They're the exact same, yeah. the exact same. There's like eight ten thousand outside the watching the coach, and they walk alongside the coach, and the, the fireworks are going off, and there's flares. Um, they're absolutely fanatical about the football out there. No, it's it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, just kind of the question we we wanted to end it on was, yeah, just, to, just for you, who's the best footballer you've ever played with or against, and, and why yeah. would you say that? Um, it's an easy question, really. Uh, with uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, Mike, in my opinion, I think it was a a period just when Zidane um, was on the decline, where I think he had the best two years I've seen where I think he was probably one of the best footballers in the world, probably, in my opinion, was the best footballer in the world. Could do everything uh, you could ever want in a footballer. Head, run, score, pass, tackle, organise, lead, everything you, you'd ever want. And if you could, I think if you, if you could put the complete footballer together, I think you'd be close to him, I, I, I'd probably say. No, I didn't. Um, yeah. Uh, but against... Um, I probably have to say Terry Henry. Um, I come on for Liverpool in, in a game at Anfield against Arsenal, um, and I think two or three times I, it was just like a blur flying past me. <laughs> There's one time where I think it's also everything went in slow motion. I thought I've, I've got him here. I'm gonna try and nick this ball off him, and he, he two steps he he was gone. Uh, so I'd probably say he was probably one of the best. I think just as all round, even in Azora. Um, his, his spatial awareness, his speed, his physical um, ability, 
Yeah. Uh, just just everything about him was brilliant. But um, it's an easy one for with Steven Gerrard, head and shoulders above everyone I've ever I've ever seen. You can't get probably a better two in, in the Prem than that, really, oh, can yeah. you? It's absolutely yeah. top notch. But no, we um, we appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much for your time. And yeah, no worries. It's a big help for us just just starting out. So no, we we're, we're yeah. Making- yeah. Yeah, anytime. Whenever you want me back on it, if you want me back on, yeah, we'll uh, just, give me, on, just give me yeah. a shout. <laughs> just nice give us a that, shout, and, and no worries. I'll come on and have a chat with us. All the best with the coach and mate as well. All right, nice one, lads. Appreciate later, that. Mate. Bye bye. See you later, lads. See you. Bye. Bye, mate. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be.